this time our pastor, Brother Richard Haley. Amen. Thank you, sir. Blessing to be here again this morning. Have your Bibles be turning over to the first psalm. We'll be reading a little bit there in just a moment. I want to say it's good to have visitors with us. We appreciate you coming and being a part of the service this morning and trust that you'll make yourself at home. I did want to say it's a blessing also to have Brother Homer back. Uh, he had a little cutting done on him this week, and uh, it all turned out well, and even the results turned out well, and we're praising the Lord for that. And uh, I forgot to mention uh, earlier in the week, uh, he, he and Sister Martha put a new cabinet in back in the kitchen, and uh, we appreciate that as well. And the uh, Lord doesn't overlook things that you do, even though we may sometimes. And uh, so we are thankful for all that is done that this church might be edified. We found the book of Psalms 1. If you'll stand, we're going to read all six verses of it this morning. Verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor setteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of waters, that bringeth forth her fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, that one more time you've been good to us. Lord, you've given us the opportunity of gathering with this people in this place. Lord, where prayers want to be made and where worship is raised unto you. Father, I pray for those that are gathered here this morning, Lord, especially your children, that our hearts will be stirred and you are afresh. God, we'll leave this place more enthused over what you've called us to do, what you've permitted us to do, than we've ever been in our lives before. And then, God, pre-adventure, there might be those here this morning that doesn't know for sure that they have your Son as their Savior in heaven as their home. God, I pray this morning would be the time you'd give them enlightenment of thy word. Lord, and you'd give them the courage to come forth and make public their profession in thee. Father, would you have your sweet way in everything we say and do now. And we ask in Christ's name, amen. I wish this morning that I had the ability to present what I've read as I feel it. Blessed is the man. I want to just stop there for a moment and talk a little bit about the word blessed. Blessed is the man or blessed is the woman. This is a non-gender term. It applies to women just like it applies to men. Blessed is the individual. And I thought about being blessed of God. And uh, I looked the word up and it says to look upon with pleasure. Or to enrich or to make prosperous. You know a lot of times men are in the position of making other men prosperous or rich. And uh, uh, look upon other men with favor. But that doesn't mean a whole lot. 
But I tell you, when God looks upon an individual with favor, uh, that means everything, doesn't it? That ought to be the blessed hope that we have within us, that God would look upon us with pleasure. We begin to look at some of the things before that we read some of the other verses, some of the words, and kind of get an idea of what God is trying to say to us this morning. We'll find out that he talks about walking. Walk. A man of God that's blessed of God that walks. And walk is to follow a certain course. And then we'll talk a little bit about counsel. And counsel means to give advice or recommendation. And so we begin to read there, maybe we understand a little bit better. Blessed is the man that walketh, that is, has his course set, not in the counsel, not in the advice, not in the recommendation of the world. Now the truth of the matter is, many of us are influenced by the advice of the world. Uh, women get their fashions from the world. You'll say, oh, not me, but you do. Uh, and uh, us men that are fashion plates, we get our fashion from the world. You know how most men are. They wear whatever their wives tell them to wear. And uh, then uh, that, that's all right with them. It doesn't make any difference if pair of overalls with patches on them. But blessed is the man or the woman or the individual that walks not in the counsel, walks not in the advice of the ungodly. There's a lot of ungodly advice out there. I remember one time of a man and a woman that was having mar- marital problems. And they decided, the, the lady first decided she'd go to a marriage counselor by herself. And she went into a non-Christian marriage counselor. That's always the wrong thing for a child of God to do. And the first thing that he said to her, I'd divorce the bomb. No Christian counselor will tell you that. For when God unites us together, he means it for be a lifetime commitment. Now, I know sometimes that's not possible. And God has provisions for that as well. But I'm talking about this morning trying to get godly advice, not following the advice of the ungodly. Who are the ungodly? They're the wicked. They're the sinful individuals of this world that sold out to the devil. Hear what Solomon says about that wicked man. Over in the 16th proverb and the 27th verse. (coughs) I'll find it in a moment. The ungodly man diggeth up evil. The ungodly individual digs up evil, looks for evil. His lips there is as a burning fire. The ungodly. We all know what that means. We, we've talked much about uh, how that our lips sometimes gossip 
and hurt people because of gossip. I've heard people try to take the Bible and prove that there's not anything wrong with that. They say, oh, God said the tongue is an unruly member and can't be controlled. But I've got an answer for that. God said out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. Now, if you've got a problem with your tongue, get your heart right and your tongue will get right. I talk different from what I used to talk. I go to places different from where I used to go. And uh, there's a lot of things different. Why? Because God changed my heart. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And then he says, Blessed is the man that standeth not in the way of sinners. Now there's two interpretations of that and both of them are true interpretations and I believe very applicable unto our lives. Number one, God said don't stand in the way of a sinner. Don't stand between the sinner and God. I was so afraid Brother Bobby's going to mess with that this morning. He kind of got on it just a little bit. But our lives sometimes will cause other people not to come to God. You go around saying you're a Christian. I I used to work with a man. He not only claimed to be saved, but he was a deacon in a Baptist church. I guess I get to talk about my deacons a little bit. I'm glad we've got good deacons, amen. But this deacon in the Baptist church and he and I was on the same job and sometimes he would get angry and he would use some profanity and he would throw things. And I've heard people say if he's saved, I don't have anything to worry about. And they'd be men just as lost according to the testimony as they could be. That man was standing between them and God. And so we have to be careful about our conversation, about our, the language that we use. We have to be uh, aware of how that we act. Somebody was talking back before service this morning about uh, uh, being short-tempered. And sometimes we let that temper get out of hand and we'll say or do something that a lost person will use to alibi themselves from not coming to God. We have to be careful. We'll stand between somebody and God. Wouldn't that be a terrible thing? To stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day. And here it said, because you said a certain thing, or because you did a certain thing, this individual is going to be cast into hell. He never came to Christ because you had a bad testimony in, the, in his eyes. So don't stand in the way of sinners. But there's another in, interpretation of that as well. Don't you stand where sinners stand. Don't you stand over here in the way that sinners stand. I mean, uh, we, we have to be very careful about that. And I know I repeat this sometimes 
but it's awful easy for us to go places we've got no business going. It's awful easy for us to wear clothing that is immodest, that we've got no business wearing as a child of God. It's very easy for us to say things that is offensive to brothers and to the world, and uh, we've got no business saying those things. We're just like the world. Now, you know, we come into church, Everybody comes in here, right back, all very pious, mad. We like to pray. We like to sing. We like to talk to brothers and sisters about the wonderful things of God. And then we'll get up tomorrow morning. We'll go back to our jobs. We'll go back to our school rooms or wherever that we go. And you couldn't tell that individual from the individual who'd never seen a church house. Now, that's standing where sinners stand. It's not hard. You don't, you know, if you go to work, you don't have to run around telling people that I'm a Christian. You just live right for a week or two before them, and they'll tell you. And as time progresses along, and and sin gets to be more bold and more widespread, it's easier to present a Christian testimony. You say, oh no, it's hard to stand against the world. No, it's not. Just remember, the Lord's standing with you. And you and God's a majority. And you're somebody special. You're a son of the king. Amen. You've got nothing to be ashamed of. And just make a stand. You don't have to stand very strong to be recognized as one of God's own. They said to old Peter there, said even your speech betrays you. And so our speech sometimes does that. Then it says not only should you not stand in the way of sinners, but it said you ought not sit in the seat of the scornful. Now who are the scornful? They're the complainers. They're the ones that are always looking for something wrong. Now, there's times when we need to stand up and be counted. Again, we talked about it a little bit in Sunday school. If you had a preacher that came up here and began to preach something that you knew was uh, unscriptural and ungodly, or a teacher that went into a class and, and taught things like that, you ought to stand up and say, we need to do something about this individual. But we don't think so much about that. We pick on things. I sat back there a long time, and I used to, I told you last week, a couple of clouds fixed that light, and I'd get my eye on that light, and he'd just be. And I'd think, man, we need to do something about that light. And I could have complained about it, but if I'd have complained about it, they'd said, fix it. But the point I'm trying to make is we complain about little old things that doesn't amount to anything. I heard the story one time of a church that split because of the color of the carpet they was going to put out in the auditorium. I wonder how those folk are going to feel when they stand up before God 
and uh, they were more interested in the color of the carpet and they were in lost souls dying and going to hell. Being scornful. You know, you meet people, and not necessarily Christian people, but I'm sure Christian people fall in this category as well. When you walk up to them, you know they're going to have something wrong. Never have had anything right to go right. Never, never say, man, this is a wonderful day. Everything's good. Everything's right. Kind of like the old lady I heard about. They asked her, said, how are you feeling today? And she said, well, really not too well. That everything, far as I know, is all right, and I feel good and everything, but I know it's going to get worse. I mean, we can find something if we want to to complain about, worry about. God said, don't sit in the seat of the scornful. How, how many people can you win if you're always antagonistic about everything? How many can you win to the Lord? If I profess myself to be a Christian, we talked about that again this morning. I don't, I'm presumptuous if I say I'm a Christian. It's all right for me to say Brother Van's a Christian. But it's presumptuous for me to say I'm a Christian because I know more about me than anybody else. But we have to be very careful that we don't use that as an excuse to be unconcerned, I guess is what I'm wanting to say. And to complain and to wonder about things. And as I look at this individual, I, I understand that he grows worse and worse. And God doesn't put things in the scripture that he doesn't mean to be a... a edifying fact to us. And he starts out and he says, blessed is the first man that walketh. Nah. He's talking about walking. That takes a little effort, doesn't it? And then the second one is, he says, blessed is the man that standeth. standing. And then thirdly, he said, Blessed is the man that sitteth not in the seat of the scornful. Takes a little less effort to do that than it does to stand. And I'm afraid that's one of the great downfalls of those individuals of us who would love to be blessed of God. We just keep getting lazier and lazier. In the things of God. And so we've talked about the negative side, I suppose, long enough. And let's go and talk about the positive side a little bit of this man that is to be blessed of God. His delight, that which makes him happy, that which he is enthused to think about, His delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, a young man and I was discussing this a little bit the other day, and and I'm not going to have time to go into all uh, things about the law, but we know that the law, as far as we're concerned, 
as the law of Moses was given to, given to Israel, not to the Gentiles, but we have a law. It's called the Word of God. And so, are you del- delighted in the Word of God? I know when you first get saved, yeah. You begin to read through there and God begins to show you things. You know, sometimes we need help of others that we might see what God wants us to see. But sometimes you'll just be sitting there and reading and maybe it's a verse you've read a hundred times before and all at once God will turn that light bulb on. And I remember the first time that happened to me. I was reading about the Bible says the spirit's like the wind. And I sat there and began to think, what's the wind like? The Bible says you can't see it, you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of it. And I thought about how that you go out on a hot day when you've been laboring, you know, and, there, and uh, you've just about gone your limit, you feel like, and you sit out, and that wind will blow, and it's just refreshing and cool. And we can think of all different things in between, but then they're celebrating, well, I don't guess celebrate's the right, right word. They're remembering down in Muthersboro uh, one year ago when the tornado came through and tore up all those houses and businesses. That was wind. The spirit's like the wind. And if we had time, we could deal with that in its entirety, and I believe God could speak to us because his spirit not only can bless us, he can chasten us. <coughs> and if needs be, he can destroy us. But blessed is the man that delights in the law of the Lord, takes pleasure in the law of the Lord, and he meditates. Not only does he read it, but he meditates upon it. He thinks about it. When does he think about it? Day and night. You'll be driving down the road, you know, and you think, man, isn't the Lord good? I, I hate to keep giving personal experiences, but that's what I know best. And I was driving down towards Muffersboro one day many, many years ago, and I was thinking about the Lord, and I said, uh, uh, Lord, I sure am glad that you let me uh, be a part of your work, and I really love you for that. And all at once it dawned on me, and he loves me. And man, if I hadn't been a Baptist, I'd have pulled the car over the side of the road and got out and shouted. I mean, sometimes God moves in strange ways. And so you meditate in his word day and night. We were talking last Sunday night about sometime waking up in the middle of the night. All of us have probably done that. You wake up and you hear that old clock strike about 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock and you're wide awake. What do you do? You get up and walk the floor and wring your hands and say, I really need to get to sleep because I've got to go to work tomorrow? Or do you just relax and say, this is a good time to meditate on the Word of God? Blessed is the individual that uh, delights in the Word of God and meditates on it 
day and night. Let's the Word rule His actions and rule His acts. Then what are the results of this individual who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates in it day and night? The Bible says he's like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. Now, what does that say to us? It says when there's a drought in the land, other trees are withering, other trees are falling by the wayside, other trees are dying. And this is talking spiritually, of course. This tree flourishes because he's close to the river. And I want you to know that it's possible for you as a child of God to get close to that fountain of life that produces the river. And so here he is like a tree that's planted by the rivers of waters that bringeth forth fruit. That's what God's intention for you and I are, that we bring fruit. You'll say, what in the world fruit? Well, I'm not very smart. Don't say amen. I'm not very smart, but I know if you plant a peach seed, you expect to get peaches. And if you plant an apple seed, you expect to get apples. So if a Christian bears fruit, it ought to be other Christians. And so he said, he, he'll get fruit in his season. And then he said, not only will he bear fruit in his seasons, but if you're following me, you'll see in verse 3, his leaf also shall not wither. Now what does that mean? It means there is a side of life. People can look and see there's life within. If you'll go back to the phrase we just talked about, that life produces other life. You can't get fruit off of a dead tree. And then he says, whatsoever he does shall prosper. You'll say, man, you haven't prospered very much. You don't know. I don't have a big bank account, and I don't have a fine home, and I don't drive a nice car, and if you do, that's fine. If God's let you do that, that's wonderful. But I, God's never given me those things. But I tell you what, I've got a mantle. Amen. And one of these days, I'm going to occupy it. And I don't believe it's going to be all that long. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Then we come to that word. I'm going to quit soon, I promise you. Uh, you find this all throughout the word of God. Sometimes it's a blessing to find that word. It says but. It's a contrasting conjunction. And it means on the other hand. And I find out sometimes when God starts talking about the horrible things that may happen to man, he'll say, but God. And I tell you, that means all the difference. You can have all the trouble in the world, but 
when God enters the picture. But that's not what he's saying here. But the ungodly, on the other hand, the ungodly are not so. For they shall not stand. Let, let me go back to verse 4 where I was. But they are like the child which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, Christian judgment. Sinners won't be in the congregation of the righteous. We don't have time to deal with that. There's two different judgments. The Christians are going to be judged at one time and the unsaved are going to be judged at another time. Then we close with saying, the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. He knows about you. But the way of the ungodly is to perish. We read over and over again in our Sunday school lesson as we talk about those churches, almost every one of them, the Bible says to those churches, God knoweth. God knoweth. And we can say this morning, God knoweth. There's a fig tree one time while Christ walked upon the earth, he came up on, and it wasn't producing any fruit. And he cursed the fig tree because he says no use of his standing there and showing life where it's not producing any life. I want to close this morning with a verse of scripture found over in 1 Peter. I trust you'll listen to this closely. It has to do with what we're trying to say. Chapter 4 and verse 18. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? The only way you're going to get saved this morning is the same way I got it. And that is coming to the place where you realize your goodness. If you're not a child of God, doesn't mean a thing to God. You can be as good to your family as you want to be. You can help your neighbors as much as you wish to help them. You can be as religious. You know, Satan doesn't mind you being religious. You can be as religious as a Pharisee. And Pharisees would put most of us to shame. But Jesus said about them, he said, you look like the whited sepulchers. You look good on the outside. But inside you're full of dead men's bones. If you're not saved this morning, you can't be blessed of God. And if I were you, you'd say, you don't know what you'd do if you was me. So let me rephrase that. If I was in your place, and I realized this morning I wasn't sure heaven was my home. If I wasn't sure that my sins had been placed under the blood, man, today would be the day I'd settle that. I'd come down here to this altar, and I'd get these men will be standing here, and I'd say, you show me what God says, and what God says he's faithful to keep. He cannot lie. He'll stand true to his word in the judgment. I'll ask you to stand if you would please, piano player and song leader, come. Brother Mac, if you'll stand on my right, Brother Bob, come to the center.
ask Brother Van to stand over on the left. As we said, these men are here to help you if you need spiritual counseling. The altars are always open. If you'd like to come and pray, you don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to join this church if you come. You just come there and get in contact with God. Two things will happen. I can guarantee you'll meet God on that altar if you're sincere. And somebody, the second thing, somebody will come and pray with you. As we sing, Brother Coleman, what's the number? 275. Oh, 